0: Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. As we continue our series, Fan Favorites, we are welcomed by student pastor Chase Durham, who shares an incredible message regarding his faith and how his life was changed through a verse of Isaiah 64. Now, let's hear from Pastor Chase Durham. Y'all give it up for the great future Dr. Chase Durham. That's a big buildup. I feel like I have a lot of things to explain after that introduction. Starting year three of my PhD, that's why he said future, because I'm not yet a doctor, and hopefully I will be one day. I just want to move this, I don't really like doing these guys. There we go, okay, there we go. Um, so starting year three, actually really excited, I'm doing a PhD in leadership. Um, And this summer, um, I'm gonna get the opportunity to travel to Oxford because we're studying global and international leadership. And so it's gonna be really fun. So I still have another one to three years until I officially become a doctor, but I'll get there one day. And then, yeah, I don't normally di- join you guys because there are few reasons uh, for me to miss a workout, but teaching God's word is one of the reasons that I will gladly shorten a workout um, to come be with you guys. So I got my workout in this morning and got up here. Mike, I apologize if I smelled. I was sitting next to Mike, um, but hope you can understand. Anyways, um, I was sharing with Cliff earlier the word I wanted to bring you guys this morning. Um, I don't say this kind of lightheartedly. It's truly a word that changed my life. Um, So, I did not grow up in the church. I was saved at age 17, and so I was a junior in high school. You know, I had built my life on this understanding that if I was a good kid, then I'd go to heaven. And then all of a sudden, I'm at a youth group. I was invited by a friend. And here, um, Isaiah 64, that says, your good deeds are like filthy rags and you need to believe in Jesus. And that verse contradicted everything I believed about salvation because, well, I thought I just had to be a good kid. Turns out, my good works are like filthy rags and I needed Jesus. And so I was saved at age 17 um, and I really... I kind of knew of you know the David and Goliath stories, I knew of um, Noah, I, you know, I, I knew of them, but honestly, I didn't know they were even from the Bible. Like that was how biblically illiterate I was at age 17, just because I didn't grow up in a children's program, I didn't grow up going to VBS, and so I was saved and had this passion to learn God's Word, and so I started serving in children's ministry, and when I was serving in children's ministry, I had to teach children God's Word, and so here I was handed the David and Goliath, I was handed the Noah and the floods, and I had to study those passages of Scripture and learn the Bible for myself for the first time in order to teach these second grade boys um, that I was their leader. So I felt like I was always kind of playing catch-up uh, when it came to my understanding of the Scriptures and spiritual matters. So. Um, I was pursuing a career in professional baseball, graduate from high school, go off, and I play some college baseball. And in the middle there, I start kind of hearing this call to ministry. And the only way I can really describe it is it was a voice in the back of my head saying, Chase, you're gonna be a pastor. And remember, I had committed my whole life to playing professional baseball, and so I would argue with that voice and say, No, I'm going to hit a home run in the big leagues, cross home plate, point to the sky, post-game conference, tell the world about Jesus. That's what that voice must mean. And so for, I mean, literally years, I just kept hearing that voice in the back of my head. And so something in me, because I kept hearing that voice in the back of my head, and I had this passion to teach people the Bible, which I was trying to teach my teammates the Bible, I kept trying to grow in my knowledge and understanding of God's Word, Just in case that voice in the back of my head was right, and I didn't play professional baseball, and I did become a pastor. So eventually, my baseball career takes me to Dallas Baptist University. And so I'm playing Division I baseball at Dallas Baptist University, and I decide to major in biblical studies just in case that voice in the back of my head is right. Just in case. But remember, I'm going to play professional baseball, I'm not going to be a pastor. So here I am at Dallas Baptist University doing a major in biblical studies. One of the classes, for one of the first classes I take actually is a spiritual formations class. And um, the professor is a man named Ron Proctor. Anyone by chance know that name? That'd be such a small word. Okay, I, I, I just throw it out there. Ron Proctor. And so it was an 8 a.m. class. And yes, I was awake and I was in class at 8 a.m., and I go and sit down in his class. I'm pretty excited, like spiritual formations, this sounds pretty fun, I don't know what it means, but it sounds cool, like I'm gonna to learn about the Bible, I'm going to grow my faith. So I sit down in class, and Mr. Proctor, he's an older gentleman, and he's sitting down on a stool in the front of the class, and you know, there's only seven to 10 of us, it was a small class. He starts talking about kind of what we're gonna do for the semester. And he goes, but the most important thing I want to teach you is about faith. And I'm like, yeah, faith. You know, I'm a Christian. I got faith, right? For by grace, you've been saved through faith. I'm saved. I've, I clearly got faith. And he goes, who can define what faith is? And you've got a class of about 10 future ministers, (laughs) potentially, and we don't know how, we're like, uh, Hebrews, like, and without faith, it's, impo- we're like mumbling through some scriptures that we know about faith. He goes, This is a good place to start. <laughs> he looks around the room and he looks at someone who has a cup on his, on his desk. Gene, what are you drinking this morning? Coffee. Are you, coffee? He looks at the student, he sees a cup of coffee on the desk, and he says, what are you drinking? And the kid goes, coffee. He goes, why are you drinking coffee? And the kid goes, because it's 8 a.m., you know, everyone kind of laughs. He continues to scan the room, and he sees this blue drink on this table. He goes, what are you drinking, Chip? C4. C4, amen. Let's go. C4 is an energy drink. And okay, again, why are you drinking? Two Two scoops. Come on. If you're real, you'd take them straight to the, anyways, okay. Um, and so he's going around the classroom, and he's asking everybody, what are you drinking? What'd you have for breakfast? Why are you wearing a hat? Why are you wearing a black shirt? And every, like, he was asking so many questions, all of us are like, What's the, what, are you, what are you getting at here? He goes, I'm trying to teach you about faith. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he says this, faith is choosing to live as if God's word is true. He goes, why would you choose coffee over orange juice? And you're like, well, I wanted coffee. Why would you choose C4 over water? I just, I wanted C4. And then he goes, was that a hard choice to make? I was like, no, we didn't even think about it. Like we just made the choice. And he said, in the same way, if you are in Christ, you have the ability by the Holy Spirit to choose to live as if God's word is true. As easy as it is to choose a black shirt, I think I'm wearing black, what color am I wearing? I don't know. To choose a black shirt over a green shirt. As easy as it is to choose to wear a hat today rather than brush your hair. And so all of us are like, huh, okay. And see, I had previously thought that faith was kind of this, like, cross your fingers, and maybe one day, like, you will grow. Maybe one day, you will be, uh, learn to be obedient. And so he explains that faith is a choice. He continues to define faith, by this way, he says, faith is choosing to live as if God's word is true, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your emotions. Regardless of cultural trends, faith is choosing to live as if God's Word is true, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your emotions, regardless of your cultural trends. To illustrate this, let's open up our Bible to Matthew 14. The Audible Bible my walk-up song. So Matthew 14, while you guys are flipping there, let me give a little context. So Jesus and the disciples, um, right before the passage that we are about to read, feeds the 5,000. So if you're not familiar with the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus and some of the disciples are going about doing ministry. They go up on the mountain. All these disciples are flooding to hear Jesus teach and there's 5,000 men, and it's becoming time for a meal. And so the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we need to send them away because it's dinner time and they need food and we don't have any. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, I want you guys to feed them. And they're like, But we only have a couple loaves of bread, we only have a couple fish. How in the world are we going to feed all these people? And then if you know the story, how it goes on is the Lord blesses it, multiplies the fishes and the loaves of bread. They feed the 5,000. At the end of this miracle, Jesus sends the crowds away. And it's Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus tells His disciples, I want you to go get on a boat and go across the sea and I will meet up with you. I'm going to retreat farther up the mountain. I'm going to spend some time with my Father. And so everyone's gone at this point disciples are on a boat, they're going across the sea, and Jesus is spending time alone with his father. This sea is notorious for spontaneous thunderstorms and rough waters, and sure enough, a storm overcomes the disciples in the boat on the sea. Jesus up on the mountain looks down over the sea, sees his disciples being tossed by the wind and the waves. So Jesus Wants to go rescue them. This is where we're going to pick it up. uh, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way away from the land. Beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, walking on the water. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you out on the water, And he said, "'Come.' So Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, "'Lord, save me!' Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, "'Oh, you of little,' shout that word out for me, "'Why did you doubt?' And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased." And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Faith is choosing to live as if God's Word is true, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your emotions, regardless of cultural trends. Faith is choosing to live as if God's Word is true. What was God, Jesus' God the Son's word to Peter. It was one word. Did you see what it was? Come. Faith is choosing to live as if God's word is true. Jesus looks at Peter, God's word is come. Peter, in obedience to God's word, by faith, comes out of the boat onto the water. And what happens? Does he walk on the water? He does. He had faith in God's word. And here there's two people in all of history that have ever walked on water. It's Jesus and Peter. Faith is choosing to live as if God's word is true, regardless of your circumstances. Uh Uh-oh. Peter's out of the boat, standing on the water. What's Peter's circumstance? He's walking on water. I'm not supposed to be walking on water. Peter's circumstance is not looking good. So faith, he's listening to God's word, but then all of a sudden he realizes his circumstance that he's a man on water. And then he says, faith is choosing to live as God's word is true, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your emotions. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. So here he is, he's on water, he gets scared. Faith is choosing to live as if God's word is true, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your emotions, regardless of cultural trends. Now, this passage is silent on this, but I can only imagine, and I think you guys could too, if your friend is walking on water in the middle of a storm, your buddy's back in the boat, what do you think they might be saying to you? dude, don't do that. Get back in the boat. And so you've got culture saying, get back in the boat. But what was Jesus's word? Come. So here we have Peter who demonstrated faith. He did the impossible. He walked on water, but then he took his eyes off of God's word and he put his eyes on his circumstance He looked at the wind and the waves and he got scared. His emotions crept in. Then he started listening to his buddies who were telling him to do something different than what Jesus told him to do. And then what happened to Peter? He sunk. sunk. But Jesus in his grace rescued him, right? What did Jesus say to Peter? Oh, you of little faith. Faith is choosing to live as if God's Word is true, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your emotions, regardless of cultural trends. This isn't the only place the Bible talks about faith. Faith is all throughout the Bible. Uh, There's a few verses, Romans 14, 23. Whatever does not come from faith is sin. Whatever does not come from faith is sin. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Gentlemen, think about that. If I took a vote in this room who wants to please God with their lives, it would be a unanimous hand raise. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 2 Corinthians 5.7 we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is choosing to live as if God's word is true, regardless of circumstances, emotions, and cultural trends. Back to the classroom at Dallas Baptist University. So, Mr. Proctor teaches us this lesson. And it was as if, in that moment, you know, those light bulbs that just kind of go off throughout your life where things just finally click and make sense. I was like, holy cow, this is how I can grow closer to God. This is how I can be obedient to God's Word. I don't have to just hope that one day I'm going to wake up more righteous. Faith is like an action. Faith is a choice. If I am in Christ, I have the Spirit of God in me. Does anyone know some of the roles of the Holy Spirit? Shout some out if you know. What would you say? Comforter. Helper. Advocate. Good, you guys are killing it. Teacher. He, he convicts us concerning sin. Okay, so we're in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit within us. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's our teacher. He is going to help me choose this over my circumstances, over my emotions, over what the world is telling me is politically correct. Don't send me on that rant. Faith is choosing to live. It's a choice. So gentlemen, here's what we do. We wake up every day and we tell ourselves that faith definition. We remind ourselves by the, by the power of the Spirit, I'm going to choose today to be obedient to God's Word, no matter what circumstances may come my way, no matter what emotions I may feel, no matter what the world tells me to do. I am gonna to choose to follow God's Word. So he explains all of that, Mr. Proctor does in that classroom. But then he takes it a step further. He makes it even more personal, even more applicable. He calls it the faith process. So we've got the faith definition, but now the faith process is applying that faith definition to every day of our life. So he says if you want to choose to live as God's Word is true, you need to wake up and you need to tell yourself that faith definition. Then you need to say, if I am going to live, as if this passage of Scripture is true, whatever that passage is, then how will I live? I've got a couple examples. I didn't give you these Scriptures, sorry. First Peter 3.7 says this. You don't have to pull them up unless you just want to. First Peter 3.7 says this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. If I'm going to live as if 1 Peter 3.7 is true, I am going to choose to live with my wife in an understanding way. I'm going to choose to be sensitive to her sensitivities. Let's apply it over here. Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. If I am going to live as if Colossians 3.21 is true, I am not going to unnecessarily provoke my children and cause anger and cause them to be discouraged. James 1, 19-20. If I am going to live as if James 1, 19-20 is true, it says this, uh, James 1, 19-20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce anger the righteousness of God. If I am going to choose to live as if James 1, 19-20 is true, I am today going to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because my anger does not produce the righteousness of God in me. I'm going to choose to live this way. But, but Chase, what if I work with some real knuckleheads? What if my wife is a real pain in my side? What if my kids are super rebellious and disobedient and like they just never listen to me and I'm at my wits end? Faith is choosing to live as if God's word is true regardless of how you feel. You see that? Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 How many of y'all were in big church uh, this Sunday? I still call it big church. Alan Parr taught. It was a phenomenal message. If you missed it, seriously, YouTube it. It was awesome. He used this scripture, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The author of Hebrews is calling people out for being spiritually immature when they should at this point in their faith have grown in doctrine and knowledge of God and love of God and love of people. If I'm going to live as if Hebrews 5, 12-14 is true, I'm going to take my spiritual training serious. I'm going to start studying God's Word. I'm going to start walking in community. I'm going to start breaking a spiritual sweat so that I'm not stuck drinking milk so that I can start eating some meat. If I'm going to live by faith, I'm gonna be obedient to that. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to live as if Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is true, then that means when I stop at the gas station, I'm gonna look for an opportunity to share the gospel. Then that means when I get to work, that guy next to me in the office, the people I go out to lunch with, I'm going to look for opportunities to share the gospel if I'm going to live by faith. Remember, Romans 14, 23, whatever does not come from faith is sin. Hebrews eleven six: 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. I'll close with this. So yes, I do love to work out. Faith is honestly like a muscle. If you don't use it, it will shrink, it will atrophy, it will become weak. And so if you don't exercise your faith and you have a weak faith muscle, then it's easier to live by your circumstances. It's easier to live by your emotions. It's easier to get... I almost said TikTok and stuff, but that's the wrong context where we're at. It's easier to listen to the news and live your life by the news. Faith is a muscle that has to be developed. It has to be strengthened. How do we strengthen it? Well, if faith is choosing to live as if God's Word is true... then we must treasure this book. How else can we strengthen our faith? If faith is choosing to live as as if this book is true, but we don't know what this book teaches, then we can't have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you're sitting there trying to please God in all that you do, but you don't ever read the book and you don't know what the book says, then how can you have faith? And if you don't have faith, Romans 14, 23 says, then you're in sin. Gentlemen, It starts here and it starts us waking up every day and saying today I'm going to choose to live by faith regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my emotions, regardless of my cultural trends. And that's what Mr. Proctor taught me at Dallas Baptist University in a spiritual formations class in process of me becoming a pastor and not a professional baseball player. And gentlemen, it... It truly changed my life. I hope that you write down that definition of faith. I hope that you do wake up every day and practice the faith process. If I'm going to live as if this verse is true, what's that going to look like in my life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your scriptures. What a gift your word is to us. Lord, I confess there, there are even times where I am not a good enough student of your word. And I'm sure that there are men in here who could raise their hand and say the same. Lord, give us all a greater spiritual hunger, a greater spiritual thirst. Set a fire down in our soul that burns so bright for you, for your glory. Help us to be men who love you with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Lord, some of us, our faith is weak. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith, God. Some of us, our faith is strong, and I pray that you would increase that faith. Make it even stronger, God. All for your glory, so that we could be faithful representatives and ambassadors in this dark world, so that we can shine Jesus's light in the darkness. We love you, God. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Gentlemen, thank you for coming. We love you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.